hopeless, discouragement, feeling weak, wanting to give up, uh, failing, uh, and then eventually, if you let it stay there, it will shut you down. And of course, hallelujah, according to the scripture, I just want to touch this real quick about um, God and God's master plan. Note in that scripture that we read earlier, this thing about sowing and reaping. If you sow to the flesh, mate, you're going to reap some of that. If you sow to the spirit, the eventuality of you sowing to your spirit is this thing called eternal life. However, note that it goes on to talk about this thing about good works, that good works, remember, are like seeds that are sown, right? And here's the thing, I want to look in Genesis real quick at God's principle of the universe or God's principles of the universe that you can't change. Now, you think you might get away with doing bad, but friend, the principles of the universe ordained by God will come to pass. And that's why it's trying to say, you can't mock God. You can't get away with it. It's a joke. Don't trick yourself. Don't be deceived because what you do, you'll harvest. But here's the wonderful positive aspect of it. If you're so good and you keep doing it, you will produce. So Genesis chapter 1 verse um, 12. And the earth brought forth, brought forth Grass and the herb that yields seed. Not marijuana. Well, maybe part of it, but that's not what we do it, you know. Anyway, let's not go there. Uh, seed according to its... Uh, so the herb that yields seed according to its kind. And the tree that yields fruit whose seed is in itself according to its own kind. And God saw that it was good. Note the thing about the seed reproducing its source or its origin. Note also, God did not make the seed first. God made the tree to have a multiplication of seeds on it and the potential to produce a forest. See, seeds, and when the Bible talks about seeds, it is about this incredible potential of what a seed will do. And that's why if you sow the right seed, you are entering into this process of multiplication and great harvest. But if you sow the wrong one, you're going to get, you're get the wrong harvest. Um, Genesis uh, chapter 1 verse 22, And God blessed them, saying, talking of man and the woman, creation. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters and the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. See, here's the thing that I want you to understand. You are a person with incredible opportunity and potential to bring multiplication to the planet of good. And it begins with a seed. Ever heard the question, um, what came first, the chicken or the egg? What came first, the chicken or the egg? I can answer that for you today. The chicken came first. But the chicken came, then the chicken could lay eggs so you'd have more chickens. Hallelujah. It's true. God doesn't, God, you know, it's God is the God of this incredible multiplication. He already begins with a whole lot, but he wants to make the whole lot a lot more. Amen. I thought that was pretty good. Rodeo. What do you do when you're weary? You wait on God. Isaiah 40 verse 31. How do you cure your weariness? See, that's like this morning. It's like in the worship. We can hurry on. We can carry on with the program. 
We can get to the Word and then get that over and done with and then we can get to lunch. You know? Some of you look really guilty. Sometimes it's good to pause with your life to wait on God because He'll cure your weariness, because He'll energize you with life, because it will fill your emptiness. Isaiah 40, 31. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. Fantastic thing about this is the word strength means he will give you new abilities, power, vigor, might, and hope as a result of waiting on him. So I really encourage you, do not stay and uh, that's why the Bible says, you know, don't grow weary. You've got to get rid of that stuff. And the way you get rid of growing weary is waiting on God. Hallelujah. Rightio. That was last week. So this week, I want to carry on on that theme, but I want to talk about this aspect of, um, uh, what did I call it at the beginning again? Harvesting opportunities of good. Rightio, and let's go back to that scripture, Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. And I want to uh, touch a couple of principles and then look at this thing called opportunity. Welcome to everybody on the stream too. How are you all going? Um, thank you for your consistency and that we often, you know, I check, uh, you know, we, we get a, a feedback of, of people watching and things like that and I also hear information coming back. And I just want to encourage you and those of you who are listening on the stream, wherever you are, that God understands and knows that you are there. And I believe God is going to speak to you this morning. And it will help you on your journey of faith. Hallelujah. So Galatians chapter 6 verse 9. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. I want to talk to you about this thing about proper time. Proper time. Greg actually spoke a little bit about it when he shared his experience in India. That there are proper times. And this word that says that at the proper time, you will reap a harvest if you don't give up. See, there are moments and there are things that have been ordained by God. And, and the Bible or the, or the word they use here is the word kairos to describe the proper time, which is my grandson's uh, middle name, which I just about fell over when you guys gave him that name. I thought, I didn't know they knew that. <laughs> Hannah's not as dumb as I thought, mate. <laughs> well, you know, maybe, anyway, no, she's not. <laughs> Sorry, Hannah. Kairos, you see, when you sow a seed, you enter the principle which is a divine principle made by God called uh, seed time and harvest. I'm not going to preach about seed time and harvest, but I want you to understand that seeds need time before they're harvested. And see, it's a principle laid down not by me, not by, you know, um, um, uh, evolution. It's a principle coming out of the mind of the creator of the universe who decided that the fact of developing the seed time harvest principle. 
Because seed time harvest allows for the uh, outworking of a thing called faith. Because faith is waiting for something to happen that hasn't happened yet. So when you sow a seed and this kairos aspect of it, it will produce something. It will produce good. It will bring a harvest, but you've got to wait for the process. And in the process, you've got to have faith. Because the Bible tells me that we walk by faith and not by sight. So we are people who have this principle of understanding that seeds need faith to wait till the harvest comes. Can I have an amen? Can I have somebody that tells me? Kairos. Here's the thing about Kairos. The scripture tells me that before either one of you were being formed in your mother's womb, that God conceived kairos moments for your life. That God and his master plan, you didn't just happen or just, you know, came as a result of chemicals, but rather you came out of the master plan of the God of the universe who conceived these things called kairos times or proper moments or appointed times of God. Hallelujah. Now here's the exciting thing. Here's the amazing, wonderful thing, that there are incredible moments and opportunities that are right around you, and they'll be around you in the coming year and times of your life. Kairos moments, appointed by him. Opportunities. But, friends, there is a condition. If you do not give up, if you stand in faith, faith is, faith is the requirement, requirement for us to harvest the good. And at the opportune moment, that good will be seen. That's like me yesterday. You know, I don't know, four or five years ago, we said, we need to up our profile in the town. We need to let the town know that we exist and we are distributors of hope and goodness and heaven to this community. And that's taken some time. But praise God, we are watching a harvest take place. Because at the proper time, at the proper time, at the appointed moment, don't give up. Okay. Now, opportunities. Galatians chapter 6 verse 10. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Therefore, as we have opportunity, this word opportunity is again the word kairos. So what it's trying to say is, friends, let us be looking for the kairos moments of opportunity that have been appointed out of the mind of God that are all around us. It says, look around and watch for opportunities. Moments that God has ordained for you. That's why I said, point the finger at you. You are not a person sitting in the back seat enjoying the ride. You are participating with God in taking up opportunities. It is not about me or those in the church who are more active about producing good. It is about you taking up your opportunities. Ordained not by me, but by the mind of the, of the creator. Amen. Opportunities. Oh, I can't. I'm over opportunities. Just, man, 
opportunity a positive or a negative word? Sorry? Positive. See, when you say, man, I'm just looking for an opportunity, or I'm going to take up that opportunity, there is something wonderful and amazing when you think about an opportunity. You know, you're not thinking, ah, that's just a bleh. It's positive, man. Opportunities are positive. I want to run through a few things about what opportunities are. So let's remember, the mind of God has kairos moments or appointments that are opportunities, which are super positive, uh, which will indeed at some point, if you don't give up, create a harvest of multiplication of the good. Right. Opportunities are doorways. Opportunity or opportunities are doorways. Opportunities are like seeing something. If I just go down there, if I just get out that door, if I just get on the other side of that, something good is going to happen. It's not, I just got to get on the other side of that door so something bad is going to happen. No. Some of you are looking for more opportunities with your job. Some of you are sick of your job and want another opportunity. But you don't look. So opportunities, friends, are entrances to good. Oh, a few people laughing at that one. Opportunities are entranceways to good. But here's the thing. Opportunities haven't yet happened. Opportunities need to be taken up. Opportunities need you to get out that door and do something about taking up the opportunity. Right? Amen? Opportunities. Opportunities are not negative. They're special moments. Opportunities are doorways to amazing things that haven't yet happened. Man, you're meant to be someone who makes things happen that don't yet happen because that's what faith is and that's those who walk by faith. Opportunities are God's appointed moments. God's hands or God's hand is on that moment. He has prepared this before the foundation of the earth. The breath of God is on the opportunity around these appointed moments. Now the breath of God, the touch of God, the anointing and presence and power of God are near this thing called an opportunity because God's hands on it and God's power is on it. It's not natural. It's supernatural. I mean, are you getting excited? Chris, are you excited? It's good. Opportunities with the hand of God on it. Opportunities like the blankets. Opportunities like the little fella who we are going to provide sponsorship for in the future. Opportunities about doing good in our... You know, see my T-shirt? Can you see it very well? Hopefully it's not dirty because I carried those casserole dishes down and they've been up there a while and they were dusty. But I believe in the vision of the casserole dish. I don't care what others say. But anyway, I don't know if you'll see. There's a whole bunch of matches here. And this is Ignite Life Church t-shirt. Because all of you are like matches and there are places where 
God wants to light you up. And imagine if all of us light that match in this town. See, that's what the Bible says, that a city on a hill can't be hid. Because a city is a whole community of lights that have been lit with opportunities that God wants to pour across this community and across to the other places of the world. Opportunities. Opportunities. Kairos ones. Hallelujah! Now, this is real interesting. So opportunities... Blah, blah, blah. But note what it says in the scripture. Because when you read the scripture, it's good to read before, after, and contextually, and a whole lot of stuff. But when you read the scripture, you know, you just don't want to take one bit out of that scripture because this Galatian scripture has something else that's kind of interesting. And it says this. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. So opportunity, Christian opportunity, shining the light, Kairos moments have the capacity for all people. But then it says something interesting. It says especially, especially to those who belong to the family of faith. Opportunities, Kairos moments, proper times, doing good, bringing harvest for all. But then it kind of opens a special section up that it says especially, the word especially means in particular. You've got to think about this one. This one's in particular. See, if we as a church spend our time and our energies and, and lighting our matches and it's all about out there and it's all about everybody else and it's all about that, then we are going to get into some trouble because we need to understand there's got to be this happening inside before it can really happen outside. You see? And see, so I think about this and I think, well, Lord, that's amazing because, man, is there so much resistance in church to looking after each other? I don't know how many times I've had people who leave the church because they are offended with the people they're meant to be pouring good out on. I don't know how many times I see people who walk away from this thing called the family, doesn't say the institution, doesn't say this loose-knit people, it uses the language family to pour out good upon. Kind of interesting. I mean, I've had people who are evangelistic. Uh, I almost fell into this trap way back on my journey where it was all about everybody out there and I used to almost despise my brothers and sisters because they were not maybe doing what I thought they should. And maybe Brother Brown or Sister Smith offends you in the church. I bet you, I bet you, there might even be somebody here today who's offended you. Uh, true? No, you're so good, you bunch. I mean, look at Bowen. He's an offense just looking sometimes at him. <laughs> no! It's a joke. Mostly. No, no, I love that. He's, he's almost, you know, Don, you and me share in the fatherhood of your son in a lot of ways, you know. Um, it's sad he doesn't look as good as you, but, you know, <laughs> you're kind of a spiritual son. Okay, I'll pull him back. Sorry. Sorry? Yeah, I know, I know. The word especially means, most of all, in particular, high priority, 
looking after first. The scripture actually says to the man that does not look after his family, he is worse than an infidel. He's worse than someone that doesn't believe. If you're a dad and you've got a family, if you ain't caring for your kids and your family and loving your wife first, then, you know, well, you ain't got the uh, formula right. See, it starts, God, those in your family, then your ministry. And when that gets out of kilter, that's dangerous. And that's even dangerous for the family of faith. That we need to be mindful that we are here to pour good out on each other. That we are here to look for moments of being a light to someone who needs it. See, I guarantee in this room this morning there are people who are fighting some hard things. I guarantee that people listening on the stream, there's a bunch of them that, man, world has gone chaotic. And they're, they're feeling like, man, does nobody care? I'm sure there are some here this morning. And see, we as the body should be looking for the opportunity of those who need some good to be poured out on them. Because it says, but in particular, do good to the family of faith. I didn't write this stuff. He did. Now, here's a cool thing. Doing good is not necessarily complicated. Doing good is not necessarily complicated. Okay, I'll tell you, I'll explain. Because things need to be basic for me. So, who has eyes? Any blind people here today? No? Okay, so everybody has a pair of eyes. See, doing good can be used through the eye. See, doing good in the eyes is so important because when we come to church and we are looking around, what are we looking around at? Are we looking around at brother or sister who offended me? Are we looking around at, you know, what I can get? Or are we looking around for opportunities to do good? See, use your eyes. Looking around. Being aware. Who's sitting by themselves? Who looks like they need some help? Or do you come to church and you're just not kind of aware about that? See, it starts kind of simply. You know, we use our eyes further afield, but we've got to use our eyes in here to look for those who need some good. Amen, Brooke? Amen. Eyes. Looking for the opportunity, looking for people in church, looking for people in the family of faith that need something. Looking to do good. Ears. Some of you got some decent ones of those. I've got a fairly good set. <laughs> ears. You got two ears. Ears kind of are like these things that listen, if I am correct. I haven't been to university, but I, I reckon that's true right? I don't know. Ears are for listening. Listening for what? Listening for the words of someone near us that might be trying to say, I need help. Listening to the heartbeat of our brothers and sisters who are part of our family of faith. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Begins with eyes. Begins with looking. Begins with listening. I guarantee if you start to look and you start to listen, you will see opportunities. Hands. Hands. See, a lot of you have abilities and skills that someone else doesn't have. 
lot of you have some hands that have some skills that someone else could do with a hand. You know, giving someone a simple touch. Funny thing for me this week. We were in two situations where I watched my wife use her hand in this gift of touch. Really interesting. Now, be careful, male, female. This is, this is, this is nothing for any of those silly excuses. This is about touch. In two situations, I watched my wife give two people hugs. One of those people is a person in an old people's home who does not have a lot of touch and is struggling. And I watched my wife as she sat with them like this and she put her hand on their knee and she was doing this, touching, giving good. Second one was another person who was not a believer who Pekka wrapped her arms around and gave a hug. And I said to Pekka, why did you do that? Oh, she was telling me about it. I said, why did you do that? And she said, because I know that person does not have much affection from others around her. You see what I'm saying? Am I the only one that is connecting with us a bit? (laughs) Doing good can be pretty simple. Ain't complicated. Here's an interesting one. Feet. Feet. Going to someone. Taking the initiative. See, we wait for people to come to us, but people who have feet go to those that need the help, that need someone to go to them. That need someone who takes the initiative and thinks, you know, so-and-so, I'm going to see that person. I'm going to ring them. I'm going to go over and sit and talk with them. It is a bad state of a church if we have people sitting in our pews who go away feeling lonely and empty. Something's not right. Because do good, in particular, to those who are of the family of faith. Hallelujah. The mouth. Words. Oh, hold on. Let me read this one. Romans 10, 15. And how come, uh, and how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. You know, I love that scripture because it's about people who take up the initiative and go and it said, you've got beautiful feet. You've got beautiful feet when God looks at you. He sees absolute beauty. And you might have physically ugly feet like me. <laughs> it's true. My kids call me goat ankles. <laughs> Graham, it's hard for me. <laughs> no, no, but my point is, going causes God to see beauty. It makes your feet look beautiful. Pretty cool. Words. Kaz, come up here. Give Kaz a hand. I noticed that you're not, you don't really like her that much, so that wasn't really enthusiastic. Can you do better? My goal today is to make Kaz cry. Okay, words have power to dispense good, to sow a seed of good, to sow a seed that one day will cause a harvest, my friends. Words the wrong way 
have the capacity to bring the wrong harvest. Cass. I want someone to come up here and tell something that is heartfelt to this woman. Come up. I don't care. This is not whatever. I mean, I do care, but what I'm trying to say is come and say something. Say something of using the mouth. I told you I'd get up on the stage. I'll get you up here, girl. Paula said, I'm not getting up on the stage. Say something. We don't want this in the church. No. Say something. Say it, say it, say it loud. Okay. <laughs> um, well, Kaz, <laughs> um, I love you. You are one of the most precious people in my life. Most beautiful friend. Your heart is beyond words beautiful and huge and you give out so much you love so much and yeah I, you're just blessed you bless everyone and you bless me enormously <laughs> oh my gosh here's Hannah who knows what Kairos means <laughs> mine's not as long as the others <laughs> that's alright okay I just want to tell you, Kaz, that you have the most warm and gentle presence whenever you stand up on stage and whenever someone has a conversation with you, you feel like you're just getting a big hug and I feel like that's a beautiful quality to have and yeah, everybody else. <laughs> Thank you. Oh. No, no, just let it all hang out, girl. I could pick on Greg. Oh. Thank you. I'm moved. <laughs> See, words have the power to bring good. Thanks, Kaz. I, I made you cry. You know, here's the sad thing. Families are meant to stick together. Families are meant to look after each other. Church is not institution. Church is not, we have a relationship at 10 o'clock and then it finishes at 11.30. Church is a group of people who have appointed moments together to change the world. Church is a group of people in a community who are looking after each other. 
supposedly. Amen? I'm going to finish with this. And, and look, <clears throat> I feel the Holy Spirit on this. I feel the Holy Spirit for all you guys out there who are watching and whatever your world is. You need each other. We need each other. Stop and people who leave because of just, they don't get it. And not that we've had a lot of people leave, don't get me wrong. But the world is full of isolated Christians because they don't understand family. And, you know, churches hurt people too because they don't understand family. Amen? says this, <clears throat> and you guys haven't got it, so it's not going to go up on the board. John 13, 35. This is why the scripture says what it says. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. How does the world know? When we look after, in particular, the community of faith. If we, if we look after the community of faith, it will extend out. It will be real. It will actually be proof that we are his disciples. So my friends, I just want to super encourage you this morning <clears throat> that we are people with so much opportunity to do good out of the mind of God, conceived by him. And if we get this to a higher level, and we've got a great church doing a lot of this already, but man, there is a higher level we can get to. And then the result will be we will touch the planet. Hallelujah! Amen. Can I have a louder one? Amen. All right. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you, God. You know, you are not bad. You are not evil. There is no shadow of turning within you. There's no darkness. There's nothing yucky, bad. What you are is, in fact, amazing and beautiful. And you are the ultimate producer of good, our Father. And Lord, let us as a community, let us as a church, let each person who is here this morning and hearing get that revelation and be those who are looking for those opportunities to be the light to bring good to a world that needs it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.